church. So good to be with you today. Let me just see a show of hands all campuses. How many of you fasted this week from something? Would you just put your hands up and let me see it? Okay. Uh, just leave your hands up if this was the first time you've ever fasted. Just, yeah, a bunch of you. Let me just say congratulations, and uh, I'm proud of you. Uh, for walking this journey. And, uh, you know, several people have asked me this week, hey, tell me again what that's about and why we would do that. And, and the answer is, is, is that prayer is how we connect to God and fasting is how we disconnect from the world. And what I'm saying to you is, is that all of us need seasons in our life where we do those two things together. Uh, we connect to God on a regular basis, but there, there's a gradual ebb and flow to the culture that we live in that connects us unnecessarily to the world. And what I'm saying to you is I do this stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is what I do. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the Word of God. I'm with the people of God. And I need regular periods of time where I disconnect myself from the world. And so what I'm saying to you is all of us need that. We need that. And that's what it's about. And I'm thankful that thousands of you have participated this week in that journey. And I pray God has spoken to you. Uh, but I also want to say to you that, that many of you missed an incredible week in the prayer times that we had in the morning at the campuses. And, and we saw people healed. We saw diseases taken away. We saw addictions broken. We just saw incredible things happen every morning at, at our campuses. So I just want to encourage you, go ahead and mark your calendar now. We're going to do that again in August, okay? And so uh, when we do that, it's just a rich, rich time. And I want to encourage all of you to be a part of that. I want to also say to you, listen, uh, Timothy says that we lift our hands without doubt and we lift our hands without wrath. What does that mean? It, it means that we do the physical. We do the physical w without wrath, meaning we don't get mad at God when he asks us to do something physical, and without doubt, meaning we're wondering if there's any benefit to it at all, right? That we, we obey God in the physical, and we believe with all of our hearts he rewards us in the spiritual, right? And, and sometimes I will preach a sermon that is really all to me. And I preach the whole sermon to me and just let you listen. And uh, occasionally when that happens, I hope we end at the same time, right? Uh, or somewhere around the same time. And that's what's going to happen today. And, and there are some things that we do for Jesus. And there are some things, in fact, the best things we do in life are things we do with Jesus, right? And, and so we're praying that we will move with Jesus through this text and, and he will communicate to us. Uh, four children... And one of my children, Eli, who is now 16 years old and driving, and so if you pray and fast, you just put that on your list all the time, okay? And, and uh, in fact, our insurance doubled when we added one boy to the other three adults in our family. That, that it just doubled in, in price. And, and so uh, if you know State Farm, tell them, call them, and say lower it. And, and, uh, and so Eli, when he was about two years old, in fact, he was two years old, and he spoke about four words, which was interesting to us because our first child at about 18 weeks was speaking in full sentences. And in fact, she was very much still in a diaper and in a car seat when she said, I want my own house. And so we were really, really, really shocked when Eli was two years old and only knew four words. And quite honestly, Meredith and I were the only two that could understand those four words. And so we took him to the doctor, and he had one ear infection after another. And finally, the, the ENT, who we actually became friends with, his name's David Hall in Tulsa, uh, David uh, said, the kid needs tubes in his ears. And we need to put tubes in his ears. And while we put him down, we're also going to take his adenoids out. And so they did that whole procedure on this two-year-old toddler. And, and there are two things that I have not forgotten about that 14 years later. Number one, I have not forgotten that baby's breath. When he came out of that surgery, having his adenoids taken out and the dried blood, it was like somebody changed a diaper in his throat. And, and it was one of the worst smells I've ever smelled in my life. I loved him and cared for him, but Meredith was giving him the bottle for a few days. And, and, and the second thing uh, th that I remember is within four days, he went from four words to 40. 
And within a month, he went from 40 to maybe 400. It was so remarkable. And I remember being so flabbergasted by it that saying to Dr. Hall, Dr. Hall, this is crazy. I mean, it's like miraculous what has happened to this child. And, and here's what he said. He could hear always, but it was as if he was underwater. That's what we call people with hearing like his was. It's as if they're underwater. And I said, explain to me what. He said, it's like you're under the water in a swimming pool and somebody's up on the deck and they're talking to you. You can hear them, but it's different. And that's the way this baby was hearing until we opened up those ear uh, canals so that the sound could actually get to his eardrum. And here's what he said, and I've never forgotten this statement. He said, it's really, really hard to speak right when you can't hear right. And all of you know somebody who has a, a, a little bit of a hearing disability, right? And sometimes their speaking is different. And if it's not, they have worked really, really, really hard uh, to make that happen. And as we think through this, right, speaking the Word of God, sharing the Word of God, sharing the experiences of God, I want you to know it's really, really hard to speak right when you can't hear right. And, and we've been practicing hearing from God, and I hope in this fast that, that you, uh, it's not all about what you've said to God, right? I hope that you have some real encounters of where God said to you and where you did this thing with uh, Jesus and the human voice, by the way. Humans can speak and hear in a very small slice of, of frequencies. And we measure sound waves. The measurement is called hertz, not the car rental company, although it's spelled exactly the same, right? But we measure it in, in hertz, and the average male speaks at 100 hertz. The average female, a little bit higher, speaks at 150 hertz. And then you have Barry White, who can go as low, right, as 50 hertz. And you got Celine Dion, who can go, ah! you know, at 880 hertz. Unbelievable range, right? But, but our range of hearing is much, much wider than our range of speaking. In fact, we can clearly, as humans, hear and understand uh, frequencies as low as 20 hertz and as high as 20,000 hertz. Okay, and so we got a little test that we're going to put on the screen for all campuses. And so here's what I want everybody to do at all campuses. This is an all skate and an all play. We're not calling on you and asking you to answer a question. Okay, everybody raise your hand. Everybody at every campus raise your hand. When you quit hearing the frequency, put your hand down. Okay, which is interesting to me that th this morning when I did it with nobody in here, mine went in and out. So there was a period where I lost it, and then a, you know, a second or two later, it came back. So there's a specific frequency that I cannot hear. So just hold your hand up, and, and let's play it, guys. Okay, we're losing them. A few here. There's an age thing going on here. I'm watching it. I'm gone. All of y'all can still hear it. I'm back. Still, anybody still? The back row, you still got it? You still got, you still got it? Like it went out and you were still hearing it. Like Wonder Woman in, in our church right here. And, 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 and so th these frequencies and anything, by the way, that goes below the range that we can hear is called infrasonic sound or sound waves, right? And anything that goes above, right, it is called ultrasonic. A and uh, deafness, by the way, is measured in certain frequencies. In fact, I have a friend who wears hearing aids and, and he, he has a hearing loss. And what he has told me is that now they can set the hearing aid to these specific frequencies so that it, you're fixing only what's bad. In fact, for people who have hearing aids that are cheaper on the cheap end of hearing aids and they just open it all up, it can end up being a real painful experience, right? Because there are frequencies that come in and you've magnified it into your ear uh, when, when you don't need it, which is interesting to me that over the years, some of the people who have complained about the, the volume of the music are deaf. And I'm like, what are you talking? You can't even hear. Why are you complaining? You just complain about everything. And they're like, no, no, it's the hearing aid has created this issue. And so this guy told me that he went to the doctor and they were fine tuning his hearing aid to the specific frequencies that he could not hear and they graphed it on the computer and the audiologist said watch this you want to see something funny he went out in the lobby and got the guy's wife and got her to come into the uh, deal and had her speak in the microphone and her voice was the exact frequency on the graph that he could not hear 
And he said, see, I told you. And she said, I don't buy it. And he said, I can't hear you. I'm not ignoring you. I can't hear you. And he said, it happens all the time, actually, with people who have hearing aids that their spouse has the exact frequency that they cannot hear. And, and, and so infrasonic, by the way, sound has the power to produce earthquakes. And it certainly has the power to produce headaches. And, and zoologists tell us that it's infrasonic sound waves that cause animals to be able to predict weather before humans can predict weather because their range of hearing is much wider than ours. And so many of you are in the oil industry. And so if you're in the oil industry, no doubt at one point or another, you have probably used infrasonic sound waves to find oil that's underground. Now, ultrasound, ultrasonic or ultrasound, we all know that one, right? Because if you've had a baby or your spouse has had a baby, then you go into the doctor at some point, they put that jelly all over you, they put that thing that looks like an old telephone receiver, and they send sound waves into your belly. And you can end up taking a picture of the baby using sound waves. It's amazing that you can hear it, but you can also see it. Now, here's a question I want to begin with today. If you were God and you wanted to speak to your children, wouldn't you speak in a way that they could hear you? Now just think through that for a moment. God is not using a frequency that you are deaf to. And I'm not saying that every time God speaks, he speaks audibly. I'm certainly not saying that he can't speak audibly. I believe he can speak audibly if he wants to. I just don't think he needs to, quite honestly. What I am saying is that God speaks in our range of hearing, and it is up to us to pay attention. It is up to us to be turned in to his range of speaking. And it's not natural. It's supernatural. And it certainly is spiritual to hear the very voice of God. And so we've got to get on his range of speaking. And so it's up to us to get our heart tuned into the right frequency so that we can hear. And we said it last week, God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem, which means that God doesn't speak to us in some frequency that we cannot hear. We, we looked at this for the last couple of weeks in Luke chapter uh, 8, where Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Let them hear. So God gave us ears, and God is speaking, and it is up to us to hear him. And so let me tell you some things that God speaks to his kids. In fact, I bet you that during this fast, that whatever it is that God said to you, he said in one of these four planes of thought. So here are four things I want you to write down that, that to listen for in the voice of God. Four things that God is saying to us. The, the first set of words I want you to hear are words of friendship. We said it last week that God whispers to us so that we will get close to him because he wants an intimate relationship with us. It's friendship, right? In the Exodus, God spoke to Moses over and over and over again. In fact, the Bible says it this way, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now that phrase in the Hebrew, face to face, I think is, is uh, not literal. I think it is a, a metaphor. I think it's an idiom. I think it's a, a, it's a picture of intimate and close and friendship. I don't think anybody can see God and, and survive, right? But I, but I think it was an intimate conversation that God was having with Moses. And here's the point. God wants to be your friend. And God's intimacy always leads towards uh, friendship. He is a personal God. Unlike any other little G gods in every other religion, your God is a personal God. And God speaks in a lot of different ways, but he always speaks in a way that we can understand. If we are listening to him, he will speak in a way that we can understand it. And, and, and this is how it is with good friends, right? Uh, you, uh, you, all of you have friends, and all of you have different friends, right? And, and so with different friends, you communicate in different ways, right? Some of us have some friends that are text-only friends. We just text with them, right? We don't ever hear their voice. We don't ever speak to them. They're just text-only friends. There are other friends that when you text them, they're going to call you. They're not going to text back. They're going to call you because they, they, they talk on the phone. Uh, there are other friends that love to sit and talk, and there are other friends that just don't have much to say at all, right? But they're all friends. They're, they're all friends. And the personal nature of friendship means that they will be different. And what God will do is he will individualize the way he speaks uh, to you for one purpose, to be your friend. That, that's what God will do. And so uh, being a friend of God is the greatest thing that you can ever have. In fact, look what Paul says in, in the letter to the Romans. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has made us, say it, friends with God. 
He's made us friends with God. And so you're listening for the voice of God. You need to be on the lookout for words of friendship. And if you hear something and you think it's the voice of God, ask, is it friendly? Because if it's mean, it's probably not the voice of God. Because God wants to be your friend, not your enemy. Number two, uh, God speaks words of direction. He wants to guide you, he wants to lead you, and he wants to direct you. John 10 says that, that the sheep of God know his voice, and, and it is his voice that will lead them. And so he wants to be a step ahead of you, showing you the way to go at, at, at all times. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you will be a voice saying, this is the way, right? This is the way you should go, whether it be to the right or to the left. The voice of God will do that for you. And I am admittedly directionally challenged. I mean, serious. It's, it's a deficit in, in all the gifts that God gave me. I am directionally dumb. And when I am traveling in another city and I don't have GPS, which is almost never but when I do and I pull up to an intersection, I have enough experience under my belt to know that if I think I should go right, I'm going left. Because <laughs> I'm challenged. And, and I depend on the GPS all the time, even in Tulsa. It embarrasses me. Sometimes I'll be on the phone in my truck and, and, and I'm talking to somebody and they're like, where are you? And I'm like, in Broken Arrow. I'm like, why you got your GPS on? Because I need it. And I can't figure out where to go, and I don't pay attention to that kind of thing. Meredith is like Sacagawea. She's like a, a, a Native American Indian that has a compass built in her. She knows north, west, south. She knows all of that all of the time, and I just don't have that gift. I got a lot of gifts, but not that one, right? And God, by the way, is like that GPS that when you make a wrong turn, what God can do is recalibrate. And it's not always when safe, make a U-turn. Sometimes God will say, no, I want you to go on forward and make a left. In other words, here's my point, that when God can take something that was meant for your harm and turn it into your good, that's how good he is. And my only problem with the GPS, if I just confess to you, is I need her to talk more often. I need her to tell me a long time before the left-hand turn, right? And, 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 to, and to give me bumpers along the way. You're passing Dairy Queen. You're passing McDonald's. And, and you're going to turn left and right now. And, and that's what I need her to do. In fact, what I would love for her to do is to say, hey, man, you're doing great. You're doing such a good job. Just stay with it. Nice driving, and you're making great time, or you need to floor it. I wish this kind of conversation would happen with me and the, GS, the GPS, but, but, but here's, here's what I want to say to you. Listen, God doesn't just speak to alleviate our insecurity. We do that, right? My family knows that I'll do that. And I'm going to fill the void and fill the silence, right? In fact, there's a joke in my family that within two minutes of me pulling out of the driveway in the car, I'm calling. And I'm going to call them back and I'm going to speak to them. And Meredith is like, well, you just left. What do you need? And she has learned that that's how my brain works. It's part of dealing with ADD. All the staff members that are around here, they know this is how this my brain works. In fact, that's just part of it, part of it, right? And we just played the way we were made. And, and so well, I, my brain won't think of what I need to tell you until you get out of my face and let me think for a second, right? And, and, and so when you get out of my face and I get in the truck, all of a sudden I'll think of what I needed to say or something else that I need to say. And, and so I lead by proximity. It frustrates some of our staff members because I will tell somebody to tell somebody seven rungs up the organization what to do because they were with me when I thought of it. And that's how it's going to work. We're not changing it, okay? There used to be a day where I thought I could change that, not changing it. And so everybody in the organization knows that if an intern comes to the most senior staff member and says, hey, Pastor Alex said, I said it because that's how my brain works and that's how I think, right? And, and so I'm driving down the road and I call and Mary's like, oh, I'm like, I just called to say I love you, right? Which always makes her feel guilty for giving me a hard time about it. <laughs> And then I fill this silence and I talk to somebody. And here's what I want to say to you. God doesn't want to just fill the silence. 
He does not waste words, right? When he talks, he is making a point. It's the word of God, and we need to listen to it. He may see a danger that's just ahead. He may see a road that we should not take. And if God guides you away from something that you shouldn't be doing, you're probably disagreeing with him, right? Or you wouldn't be going that way unless you thought it was the right way to go. So you're probably disagreeing with God along the way. And and he's saying, no, 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 I want you to go this way, right? And it may be a godly thing and a beneficial thing and a wise thing for you to go that way, but God knows better, right? He knows better than us. He can see beyond what we can see in our own capacity to see. So listening to his voice for words of direction, hear me, Jesus already knows where to go. And he knows where he wants us to head. And so we've got to listen to him. And everything you see, by the way, is not always actually what's going on. That we have a very limited perspective of sight and we see it and we think we understand what's going on, but God has multiple perspectives on that and multiple directions of, uh, of sight on that. We can only look at one thing at a time, but here's what I want you to write down and you need to remember this. Listen, listening to God's voice allows you to see the unseen. It allows you to see the unseen as well as the seen. And by the way, walking with God and having faith requires that you believe in the unseen, not just the seen, that he wants to lead us by faith and not by sight, right? And so when we actually listen and look, we can see what we cannot see when we only look. And sometimes the words of direction that God is sharing with us are warnings, and he's warning us about something. How many of you have ever been warned by God, right? The Spirit of God said, hey, watch out, watch out. And so he wants you to know when there's some danger ahead or just ahead. And he'll warn you that what you're doing is not right or not best or harmful. And he will lead you in that direction. And it's not to be a joy kill and it's not to condemn you. It's to help you, right? He wants to be your friend and he wants to protect you and he wants to bless you. And so we need to listen for certain phrases of warning and direction from God. I, I, a phrase is like, I, I wouldn't do that. Or I, I, I don't think you should go there. I don't think you should participate in that. Or you should tell someone about that. And by the way, I would encourage you to shut out all the voices that try to convince you that everybody else is to blame. I, I would try to encourage you to walk away from a voice that says the whole universe is against you and you're the only one on the whole planet that, that, that is right. Or everybody else is to blame. Or that's no big deal. Or that's only a little issue or a little problem, right? Get into a community where you can say to one another in, in Christ uh, relationships, hey, this is what's going on in my life and I need some help. I, I, I need some help. I'm going on a business trip this week, and the last one did not go so well. Would one of you call me each day this week to, to just check up on me and help me? Listen, that's the result of listening to God's words of warning and God's words of direction in our lives. And, and when the children were little and we would go somewhere where there was a crowd, like a Disney World or even sometimes a Walmart or a grocery store, right? And, and there's a whole crowd of people. I would reach down and grab their hand. And I would say, I've got you. And I've got your hand, and I will watch out for you, and I will lead you, and I will direct you. What a beautiful habit it would be for us as the children of God if we would begin each day just reaching our hand up into our daddy's hands and our heavenly father's hands and say, would you take my hand? Would you lead me and would you direct me? But thirdly, God wants to speak words of encouragement words of encouragement. God wants to encourage you. The enemy wants to discourage you, right? Encourage means to put courage in. Dis means to take it out or, or, or to do away with it, right? And so the enemy wants to hurl accusations at you, but God wants to bless you. L look at this again from Paul in Romans. For his spirit joins with our spirit. In other words, his spirit speaking to our spirit. And what does our spirit say? His spirit say when it speaks to our spirit. Look what he says to affirm that we are God's children, to affirm that we are the very children of God, right? In order to hear God's words of encouragement, we need to listen to these types of phrases. You're my child. I assure you, when you fast and when you pray, if you're listening, you will hear your heavenly Father say over you, you are my child, and I love you, and I am so proud of you, and I am for you. 
Listen, God knows what happened last night. He knows the mistakes you've made this week. He, he, he sees that. He's not dumb to any of that, right? He sees it all. And, and when he wants to talk to you after you have made a wrong turn or made a mistake, it is not to condemn you. That's the enemy's voice. When God speaks to you after a mistake, it is to love you, to encourage you, to bring you closer, and to bring you back into relationship with him, okay? Now, here, here's the fourth uh, thing that you should look for. Uh, you should look for words of purpose, when we become men and women who hear God's voice consistently, we will become men and women who do God's will consistently. And, and when God speaks, listen, he gives us jobs to do. He gives us assignments. He gives us tasks to accomplish, right? And, and, and they all build together to form this life of purpose for you and, and, and for me. And he will give you things to fulfill that will fulfill your own desires, but he will also give you things to fulfill that will fulfill the desires and the needs of other people. And some of you might say, hey, if I knew God was going to actually speak back to me, I wouldn't have filled all of my prayer time talking. It's the point of what I'm trying to say in this series, right? That, that, that we need to view God as someone who has something valuable to say and wants to say it. And so if I knew that God was going to talk back to me, I wouldn't fill my prayer time with all of my own words, right? And some branches of Christianity are all about the aesthetics and the splendor, and it's this high, high church thing, right? And some of us came from that and came out of that. And, and often, not always, but often what that can turn into is a one-way conversation. It's not a two-way conversation. That God is the listening counselor, right? And we're laying on the couch doing all of the talking. But I'm not going to make fun of one branch of Christianity without making fun of another, right? And so there's the other extreme that, that, that you all think that God speaks to you about everything. That he tells you where to park at Walmart and which toothpaste to buy and all of that, right? And that he is speaking to you about every single thing. And the point is not for you to get off in one ditch or the other. The point of you is to get to a place where you can hear God and God is speaking to you. And so what I want to cover with you real quick today and as we get ready to conclude is seven ways that God speaks. So we're not going to conclude real fast. I threw that in there, but there were seven things I want to cover with you, okay? But because I wonder if part of our hearing problem is that we don't know how God speaks. And so we don't know where to look for God's voice because we don't know how it is that he speaks. And I think God will speak to us in individual ways. And some of you like very organized prayer times, right? Where uh, you, you like list and uh, you're very organized and you set an alarm, right? That we're gonna pray for this for five minutes and an alarm's gonna go off and we're gonna pray for this for four minutes and we're gonna pray for this for 10 minutes. And, and others of you, you like to just get in the zone right? You like just to go with the flow and, and turn some worship music on and get on on the flow. And, and some people uh, like to go on walks and pray to God out loud. Uh, listen, he doesn't speak to all of us the same way, but he does speak your language. And, and some of you, you love to hear God in the beauty of nature. Others of you, you love to hear God in the pages of scholarly books. And others of you love to be with people when you hear from God. And others of you like to hear God in solitude, all by yourself praying. And I want to say to you, none of those are the only right way to hear from God. The only right way to hear from God is the way he designed you to hear from him and the way he wants to speak to you. And so we, when we have something going on, we talk to people. We'll pick up the phone and we'll call people. And when we have something going on, we'll get on Google and we'll look for an answer. We'll look for a solution. And sometimes we forget to ask God. And I think God wants to talk to us. And he wants to speak to us. And in fact, he ought to be the one on speed dial that we're calling first, right? And asking him to talk. So here are seven ways that God will speak to us. And as I give these to you, I want you to think about how it is that you actually enjoy hearing from God the most. And gender, by the way, is one of these distinguishing factors, right? That males and females are different. They just are. And I don't care where you go with progressive or, or, or just ancient views of male and females. They're different. And, and we all know that males and females are different, right? Males speak in generalities. Females speak in detail. Sometimes I'll come home and ask Meredith what's for dinner. And, and like 10 minutes later, she's still talking. 
And I was going to Whole Foods and I was going to make this. And remember that recipe I got from Nelda way back when we first got married and she forgot the sugar. And, 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 and then I was at Whole Foods and I ran into Sally and said, do you believe what Sally's husband has done? And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, I don't care. I asked you what's for dinner, woman. And, and, and so, but, but, but when I come home and, and she speaks to me and she wants to know about my day, right? She, and she's very disappointed with, it was good. That's it. That's it. All of it. It was good. And she wants more detail. By the way, this is one of the reasons that I would say to you that I think it's why the Bible refers to God as he. Because he doesn't give specifics regularly, right? He gives very general details about where we're supposed to go, right? He, he doesn't say, remember the story with Abraham when God said, hey, I'm going to tell you tomorrow what I want you to do tomorrow, and, and we're going to take you to this land, and well, what's the name of it? I'll tell you tomorrow, and when are we going to leave? Well, I'll tell you tomorrow. And what are we going to do? And one time I was preaching this whole passage with thousands of teenagers at this camp, and, and I was setting that whole thing up, and, I, and God will tell you tomorrow, 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 and I said, and what do you think Abraham said? And this smart aleck kid at the back of the room yelled, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> I said, I want to meet you afterwards. I'll hire you as an intern. And, and, and so, but, but, but I'll tell you tomorrow, right? That's how God does with us. I, in fact, if I were being honest, even as a male who doesn't care about all the details, I feel often that God doesn't give me enough details. I feel like I wish he would tell me, you're going to go up here and make a left-hand turn between the Dairy Queen and the McDonald's, and you're going to go two blocks, and, and you're going to turn at the second red light. And I wish God would give me those kind of plans for my life or for my family or for the church, right? But, but he rarely does that. Why? Because he wants us to walk with him. And he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, I did the math this week. About 800,000 words in the Bible. 800,000 words. The average woman speaks 20,000 per day, which means what it took God to speak 2,000 years, the average woman could do in a month. <laughs> and, and, and yet God doesn't give us all the detail, does he? And, and he doesn't speak to us in that way. And, and he wants us to walk with him and he gives us detail by detail by detail, right? So how does God speak to us? Number one, he speaks to us through the scripture through the Word of God, right? This book is the way that God speaks to us. And by the way, this is the way that everyone believes God speaks to his children, right? Every branch and brand of Christianity believes that. In fact, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, I think, yeah, verse 1 says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Remember we talked about this last week. A prophet is a man or a woman of God who took the word of God to the people of God. And those prophets, by the way, were instructed by God to write the words of God down. And we have the words of God preserved for us to use today in the Bible. All 66 books that make up this one book, all of them inspired by God. All of them breathed right out of the mouth of God into our ears. And 2,000 years later, these words still mean a tremendous amount to the children of God. In fact, I would go as far as to say, I think this is God's primary way of speaking to us. Primary way of speaking to us. And you know the difference between the specific and the general word of God, right? And we all want a specific word from God about my marriage, about my job, about my health, about uh, the direction I'm supposed to take. We all want specific words from God. And I'm afraid that we can't hear him when we need a specific word from God because we don't know his voice, because we haven't learned to get in his word and get the general word from God day in and day out. Listen, I don't think that God has said everything that he has to say in the Bible. I don't believe that. But I believe wholeheartedly that he will never say anything that contradicts what he has already said in the Bible. And the Bible is the authoritative word of God for our daily life and for our daily use. And so if you want to hear from God, this is the place to start. And every morning, you ought to pray this prayer that I pray. When I open the word of God, this is the prayer that I pray. Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. And what do you want me to hear today? It's a daddy and a child. And hearing the voice of God involves us becoming like children and saying, Lord, would you please speak? And what, what do you want to say to me today? So the scripture, number two, our spirit, our spirit. God will speak to us in what we call spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication, okay? His spirit, I'm not going to get into the theology of it today. I've done this with you before. But his spirit lives within our spirit, and his spirit speaks to our spirit. 
or our inner person is another way to say that. And that may be through dreams. It may be through visions. But most often for me, it's that still small voice that you hear in your heart. It can be through spiritual wisdom and understanding and gaining insight. In fact, Paul talks about this in in 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 2. Verse 10, he says, it was to us that God revealed these things. How? Say it. By his spirit, right? And what did he reveal to us by his spirit? Look at verse 12. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, right? So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. That, that, that's how this works. So, so that's what he's saying to us, right? And, and so what does he say to us when his spirit speaks to our spirit? We looked at it a minute ago, right? In Romans, let's just look at it again. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, right? That's what the spirit of God says to our spirit on a regular base, basis. And you may be looking for hidden secrets or some hidden knowledge, but, but more, than, more important than all of that put together, and it's not a secret, by the way, is the fact that you are a child of God. What more could you want your heavenly father to say to you than, than that? You are my child. I love you. I, wa- I want you, right? And so here, here's the third one. I'm calling it promptings. Promptings. A little bit more difficult to explain than spirit-to-spirit communication. But the Bible talks about the inner ear. In fact, some scriptures call it the circumcised ear. And it is, it's the ear that God gives you on the inside in order to hear his voice. It's very similar to the prompting, I mean to the spirit-to-spirit communication I just explained. But, but this one involves your emotions more than anything else. And that God can speak to you through your feelings and through your emotions. You can't always trust it, right? It has to line up with everything else. But, but he can speak to you through your feelings or emotions. And here's an example. When you see a need and you hear a voice saying, meet that need, that's the Spirit of God. Do not ignore that. That is the Spirit of God speaking to you. That is not your flesh. You know how I know that? Because your flesh is sinful and your flesh doesn't want to do anything good. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. The, the Spirit will speak to you and will prompt you to do something godly. A great example in Scripture is Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah? He, he heard the prompting of God. He heard the speaking of God. He saw the destruction in the, place, in the city of Jerusalem and he was prompted by God to do something about it. Look, look at what he says. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. That's what we've been doing this week, right? Fasting and praying. And when we see something or we hear something and we're prompted to act in a godly way, that's the voice of God. Embrace it and obey it. Here's a fourth one. Other people. Other people. God can speak to you through other people. It could be a word of prophecy. It could be a word of scripture. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 14 when he talks about, hey, when you get together, maybe somebody uh, has a word from the Lord. Maybe somebody has a scripture to share. Maybe somebody has a song to sing, right? And and there's this thing about worship. And, And by the way, God will never say something to you through somebody else that he hasn't already said to you. It's always confirmation. In fact, the most freaky people I've ever met on the planet are the people who will say, God gave me a word for you, and and it is out of left field. It has nothing to do with what God has ever been saying to me. It has nothing to do with what God has been directing me, and God doesn't confirm it in my heart. And and it's just freaky weird, right? And sometimes I'll say, hey, he's got my address. And he knows my telephone number and he speaks to me on a regular basis. But the most biblical way for you to get a word from somebody else is for you to be in biblical community. That's the healthy way. That for you to be in a biblical community group where you are filled with people who love you, who care for you and have your back, right? And then God will then reaffirm something in your life through somebody else. So you get with other people, not just other people, you get with other people who are talking about God. You get with other people who are listening to God. You get with other people who are talking to God and that will help you tune in to the very voice of God. Number five, this is uh, what I labeled this way, opportunities, Opportunities. We, we lead through opportunities. In fact, one of the most used conversations that I have with other pastors who will call and say, hey, talk to me about how, how you manage the path of the church and, and where we're going. And this is the phrase I use. We manage opportunity. We watch and see what the Lord puts before us and we pray about it. 
And we decide, are we supposed to walk through that door or that door? And, and we look at the opportunities that the Lord lays before us. In fact, it's very difficult to lead a group of people who ask questions to which you don't have answers, right? Which is sometimes like leading a church on a regular basis. Is hey, hey, how big are we gonna get? Or how far are we gonna go? Or what are we gonna, where are we going next? And, all, and sometimes you don't know. And every leader, especially pastors, by the way, are expected to have this 10-year vision and this 10-year uh, plan. And here's what I've found. If you wanna humor God, tell him your plans. It's like a stand-up comedian, you know, or an on-your-knees comedian with God. We say, well, God, this is what I'm planning, and, and this is what I'm thinking. But here's what I know. God can speak to you through open doors, but he can also speak to you through closed doors on a regular basis. And sometimes a door slams in your face, and, and you get discouraged. But it may be God redirecting you to another better opportunity, right? And, and so the type of communication, this type of communication shows up all through the missionary journeys, right? When we read Acts and we study about Paul and where they were going and what they were doing and he records all these places that they were going. And, and there's one occasion on his second missionary journey where he's seeing incredible godly success, but then he hits this roadblock and he doesn't know why. In fact, look at this in Acts 16. Next, Paul and Silas were traveling through, is what it says, right? Because the Holy Spirit had prevailed them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. The Holy Spirit presented them from preaching the gospel in Asia, to which you, that doesn't make any sense to you unless you understand this is part of how God speaks. He closes doors and redirects us to other doors. We're never told why or how the Holy Spirit prevented the preaching there. But we do know on the heels of this that another opportunity comes. In fact, look at this, what it says uh, next. That night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. We call that the Macedonian call, right? That God spoke through a closed door and he opened another door. And in verse 10, look at what happens. And what they did, it says, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling to preach the good news there, right? And so when we are in tune with God's voice, we know that a closed door can redirect us to another door that's an open door and is a better door. Now, here's number six. Desires. God can speak to you through your desires. He put them there. Right? I'm talking about godly desires, by the way. He, he created you and he shaped you and he, he made you interested in certain things and he uses those desires to speak to us. Listen to what David says in Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. When you are moving in the spirit and acting in a godly way, he will give you a godly desire and then he will produce results out of it. Right? And, and, and so it, it's godly desire that he puts within you that's the form of communication. That's what I'm trying to say. It's that desire that he put in you that is, he's using to try to communicate with you. Now, here's the last one that I want to give you today. And by the way, this list is not exhaustive. Pain. God can speak to you through your pain. He can speak to you through your struggles. He can speak to you in bad, bad times. In fact, one of my friends says it this way, that, that it's almost always required for a breakdown to lead to a breakthrough. And I just, I've quoted you C.S. Lewis many, many times before that says, God whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain. That means that when we go through something difficult, God has something to say. And he wants to speak to us. And he is not yelling at us because we did something wrong. He is trying to get our attention so that he can show up big. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about the thorn in his flesh. Remember that? And I think the Bible never lets us know what that thorn is so that we wouldn't micromanage that story and only apply it to one little area in our lives. That it could be applied to almost every area in our lives. And that Paul says, according to the Scripture, three times he asked God that we know of. I bet he asked more than that. But we know the Bible records three times that he asked God to take it away. And God shows up and speaks. And God says, I want you to hear something, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And here's the question I want to ask you today. What's God trying to say to you? 
What's he trying to say to you in your pain? What's he trying to say to you through, through your difficulty? This week I was reminded of that old chorus. Maybe unless you're 40, you, you won't even remember this chorus, but, but I remember the chorus. and I, I'll refrain from singing it for you, but I'll I, I just tell you what the words are. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. I'm finding more power than I ever dreamed by learning to lean on Jesus. And that's what he wants us to do, is to lean in. Some of you say, I feel like I'm leaning in. Lean in more. He can handle all of it. And he can handle all of your weight. Peter says it this way, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Lean. And he's teaching us to lean in and to lean on him. Two weeks ago, I had a group on Mount Moriah where Abram sacrificed Isaac. You remember that story? What you may or may not know, it's the same mountain where David bought a threshing floor. And they tried to give it to him, and he said, oh, no, no, no. I I can't take for free what's going to happen here. It's the same place where the the temple was built. It's the same place where the cross was erected. It's the same place where all of these stories played out. And it wasn't the whole group, but there was a small group of us, and, and, and I was just teaching impromptu and about Abraham and Isaac. And our guide showed me some Hebrew words in that story, which I've never paid attention to before. And there's a Hebrew word that talks about the age of Isaac, and it says he was strong enough and old enough to defend himself. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, it's not biblical, but all of the biblical tradition and all of the Jewish tradition says that Isaac was 33 years old. And you've painted it wrong on flannel graphs with a little boy carrying the wood up the hill. This was a grown man who understood fully what he was doing and fully where he was going in the same way as to communicate that Jesus knew what he was doing when he left heaven. And he knew when he came to earth what he was coming for. And he understood it and he voluntarily participated in it. And, and there's a story being playing out that's pointing to the story, the story, right? And, and you know the story that, that he laid Isaac up on that altar and he went to raise his knife uh, to kill him. And the voice of God, the voice of God, the voice of God, do not miss it. The voice of God said, stop. Now think through this for a second. What if he was deaf to the voice of God? Or what if he heard the voice of God a moment before, but now he was no longer listening to the voice of God? You and I have got to be tuned to the voice of God, but we've got to be tuned to the preceding voice of God. So that we will hear where where he's going and where he's directing. And he stopped, and this is a paraphrase, but God said, Abraham, your son is sinful. Your son of promise is a blessing, but he's fallen. I I, I don't want him. He can't do what needs to be done. Maybe a tear fell out of the eyes of the father as he said, but my son can. And I'll stand on that altar, and I'll take the life of my son, for you, that you can know me, that you can hear me, that you can relate to me. And he said, Abraham, I I don't want your son. I want your ear. I want you to hear from me. A day and a half on this last trip to Israel, it rained. Sprinkled one time and all the other trips I've taken to Israel, never rained. It poured for a day and a half. 
And I was so disappointed because I, I just thought, this is just going to mess the trip up. And we're rearranging things all the time. The guy and I are meeting morning and evening, rearranging things and saying, hey, we got to do this different. And, 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 and so we changed it, and we traveled a whole day from Galilee down to Jerusalem while it was raining. And as we made our way up through that valley, down by the Dead Sea, up the mountain to Jerusalem, the guy is sitting here beside me just talk, teaching. You see, see all the damage that the water has done? Splash flooding. And, and you got an area, and I don't remember the, the height, so don't check it. I don't know what it is. 2,800 feet above sea level, something like that, Jerusalem. To 1,300 feet below sea level, the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth. And, and so whatever the drop is over the course of 15 or 20 miles, it drops from a place that gets somewhere between 25 and 40 inches of rain a year to a place that gets zero inches of rain a year. And so the water comes running down those hills and comes running down and will take people out. Last year, two students were killed hiking in that, uh, those, those deserts and they didn't see it coming and it came out of nowhere and it comes out of nowhere because it came from miles and miles away. And, and it brings in this miry clay off those mountains. The guide said, when you take five steps into that miry clay, you're stuck. You cannot take another step because it packed in on over your shoes and it packed and packed and packed. And about five steps in, you're stuck and you can't walk. And David said, my feet are stuck in the miry clay. And as he turned and looked up the hill, he could see the flood coming. And not a thing he could do about it. My feet are stuck in the clay. And what I need, God, is for you to put my feet on the rock where I can move. And every time one of these flash floods will turn a corner and make a bend, it will deposit this silicone white limestone sand, which is what they make all their bricks of in that part of the world, which is why their buildings are still standing 4,000 years later. And the guide said, Jesus is standing next to one of those places. When he said, he who hears my words and does them is like the man who builds his house on the rock. And he looked at me and said, your flannel graph has lied again. We've made this about God saying, don't build a house on the beach in Florida, on the sand. He said, we don't have sand like that in Israel. We don't have beaches like that. That's not what he was saying. Matter of fact, any, every builder would tell you sand is actually something really good to build on because it packs and it drains. It's a whole lot better than Tulsa clay, which resulted in about 10 piers in my house. And, and, and the God said it was like Jesus was making a joke. But he said, don't build your house down there in the sand, in the riverbed, in the place where the floodwaters come. That would be stupid. Don't put your house down there in that sand where the water is going to wash it out, which, by the way, the children's song got this one right. Remember, the rains came down and the floods rose up and the, washed the house away. He said, don't put your house down there. And everybody in that day would have said, that would be stupid. You'd be an idiot to do that. To which Jesus says, that's what you do when you hear my word and you don't do it. But when you hear my word and you do it, it's like putting your house up here on the rock. I, I don't know if you feel this way today, but I know you felt like your feet have been in the clay. You've been there with a kid. My feet are in the clay. I see the flood coming. And I'm telling that kid, stop, stop. Don't go there. And they can't see it. And they won't listen. And there's nothing I can do about it. And God, what I need you to do, I need you to do is to put their feet on the rock. Yeah, we, we saw on one occasion 50 or 60 animals of multiple breeds running down a mountain in front of that rain. Looked like they were going 30 or 40 miles an hour straight down a hill. And he looked at me and said, you know, we pray like the scriptures pray, God, make my feet like an animal's feet. 
He said, most Westerners I know, they pray, God, make my path smooth. He said, that's not the biblical prayer. The biblical prayer is, give me the right feet, God. Because when I have the right feet, it doesn't matter what the path is. It doesn't matter what comes my way. If I got the right feet, God, I can do what needs to be done up the hill, down the hill, through the bend, over the trees. I, I can do what I need to do if you make my feet like the hind feet of an animal following you through this path where we can declare it is well. So here's what I want us to do as we end this week of prayer and fasting today. I, I want us to get on our face before the Lord. So at every campus, I'm going to open the altar for you to come and pray. At every campus. We're going to just going to turn this area in front of the stage at every campus into an altar, a biblical altar, where we can come and get on our knees and bow before the Lord. So at every campus, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to come and pray. At every campus, let's stand again. Father, today we pray for your voice. We need it. We want to hear it. We're dependent upon it. Would you send it into our lives today? May give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us the faith to say it is well. It is well because you are well and because you live with us and you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. Church, the altar is open. Let's come pray. As the band leads us, let's talk to our Heavenly Father. Yeah.
Amen. That's good news, right, church? As well with our soul.